Awesome. Thank you. That's good. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for keeping that going, too. Uh, I could have had you stop, but it was more fun if you just kept going, so that was, that was great. Um, yeah, so, oh, I forgot my, uh, my thing. I'm glad some of you guys got the memo. That's perfect. So I have this mic up here because I'm going to be doing an illustration from the very beginning of my talk. Uh, But before I get there, I just want to pray to open us up. Uh, Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight. I pray you would please uh, really speak through through me um, to everybody in this room and help us walk away from tonight uh, with a better idea of how to use the Bible um, to filter our life and to, uh, to live a more glorifying way to you. I praise things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So how do you live your life? Have you thought about that very much? What influences how you live? Uh, What what factors uh, play a part in that? Uh, You know, what things determine your perspectives and your values and the decisions that you make? Uh, There's a lot of things that that influence us uh, and and, uh, influence these ideas. There's like your upbringing, your experiences, your educational institution, your friends, uh, the culture and media, all of these things uh, influence the ideas that you have, and it creates sort of a filter. All right, so I'm going to use these nice little props over here. So I have a one-year-old now, so I have a lot of awesome, like, sand toys at my disposal. It's fantastic. I still had to supplement a little bit from Big Lots, but um, I had some of these already. So these ideas uh, in your mind, they create a filter so whenever you hear or learn uh, or read something, uh, it goes through this filter in your mind. So I got a filter here, all right? So what happens is life happens. You learn stuff, you read stuff, you, uh, you have experiences happen to you, and they go through your filter. All right, some make it through and some get caught in the filter. What makes it through is what you live your life off of. These are the things you believe enough to let it actually influence the way you live. All of this that got caught by the ideas that you didn't agree with, they get thrown out. Uh, I'm not going to actually do that because I don't want to clean it up afterwards, so pretend I didn't do that. Um, (laughs) So it catches whatever you don't agree with, uh, and you live based off of what's beneath. And what's beneath is what you, you really believe. You know, the idea we say believe, we oftentimes think of it as like we acknowledge. But the things we actually believe are the things that influence us on a daily or on a regular basis in, in what we actually do with our life. So the big problem that happens with this filter is that a lot of the time we, without thinking, take God's word. All right, this one is supposed to be God's word here. And we pour it through our filter of our ideas. See, some, some makes it through. But a lot gets caught there. We take the Bible and we pour through our own filter of our ideas. And then we're like, oh yeah, dude, we totally believe the Bible. And we've got this little portion down here at the bottom. And meanwhile, we've got all this we're missing out on that we're not living out that the Bible talks about. In 2 Timothy 3.16-17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So I'm going to take this filter now. So this is God's word in our life. And what God's word does is it catches everything 
that shouldn't be in our life. And then it gets tossed out. And then it lets pour through all God's truth. And it all makes it through here into our life. We'll take God's word and use it to filter our life instead of filtering the Bible through our life. We'll actually avoid all these mistakes and these stupid things that we want to do. I thought about writing stupid on one of the rocks, so I figured you wouldn't be able to read it anyways, you know? (laughs) All these stupid ideas that we have, they get caught by what the Bible says. And all God's truth is able to actually influence our life when we use God's word as the filter for our life. So Romans 12.2 says that you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to take this off here now and just hold it. Just because I committed my life to following Christ does not mean that I will automatically, yeah, I'm good, thank you, does not mean that I will automatically change. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 actually says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now notice it says, do it all to the glory of God. That's not passive. That's active. We're supposed to actually act purposefully to the glory of God. Each of us needs to take our own life and pour it through God's word. And the stuff that gets caught by God's word, we need to toss it out, all right? And then we need to let all of God's word come through into the bottom and not let it get caught in our ideas and actually let it influence us and affect the way that we live. So I'm going to be going over several areas that I think we get our filters mixed up in life. The first is what decisions you make. Now, the decisions you make are directly linked to the priorities that you have. And so first, I think a great uh, location to look is uh, what the Bible says about our priorities we're supposed to have in life. In Matthew, Jesus was asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in John 14, 21, it actually tells us how we love God. That was the first and greatest commandment, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So how do we love God? Well, one specific way uh, is John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So catch that. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. So we see that in the decisions we make in life, we need to be careful to be obedient to God. The decisions we make in life, we need to be careful to be obedient to God. That's why we express our love back to God. And honestly, this is the only logical way to live. Like if I say that I believe in God and I believe in his word, I believe it's true. That means that the best possible outcome for my life would be to live my life based on God's word. And I actually trust him to uh, bring about the best outcomes possible in life by acting on his word, that the best outcomes life will come, even if those outcomes don't look the way I thought they were going to, even if those outcomes uh, aren't the ones that I wanted. I trust him that if I follow his word, he'll bring about the best outcomes. But this is faith. This is what it means to have faith. Faith is just another word for trust. We trust God to the point that it affects our everyday life. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So Hebrews eleven six. So you can see that element of trust there in our relationship with God. Now the next highest priority Jesus mentioned is how we need to be loving towards others. That's that next fill in the blank. 
how we need to be loving toward others. Jesus said this is literally only second to loving God. That's it. Nothing else is more important than loving others and loving God. That's the only thing that should rank above it in our priorities. That's crazy. I don't know about you, but that's really uh, intimidating to me. It's inspiring and intimidating, the idea that I'm supposed to love others only second to loving God. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Which leads me to the second point, which is why you love others. That's the next area of life. It's why you love others. According to what I just read in John 13, 34, we're supposed to love others. Uh, the first thing we need to consider when we're trying to love others is how God has loved us. So the first thing we need to consider is how has God loved me when I'm thinking about how much I need to love others? Well, let's check out Romans 5, 8. It says, but God shows, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God showed his great love for us. This is how God loves us. He showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is a high standard. That is a high standard of love. While I was still actively acting in opposition to God, he literally died for me. God knew before I was born every single mistake I would ever make. And with that in mind, knowing I would make every single one of those stupid decisions, hurtful decisions, whatever they were, knowing those he still willingly and lovingly died for me and for every single one of you. John, 1 John 4, 19 through 21 says, we love because he first loved us. It's the motivation. We love others, not because even when it's hard, because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. This commandment I have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's not an option. There's no option there. If you love God, you must love one another. When we have something against someone or know that they have something against us and we don't do everything we can on our end to clear up that relationship, we're saying that we don't appreciate the sacrifice Christ made for us on the cross. Because if I'm loving others the same amount that he loves me, I'm saying, well, I don't appreciate what you did for me because I'm not, I'm not going to love this person enough to clear up my relationship with them. You're just like throwing sand uh, in God's face and saying, uh, I know you love me that much, but I'm not willing to love anybody else. Like a, a fraction of that. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not the people you enjoy being around everyone. And it's important to note that this verse recognizes there are situations where it is not possible to live at peace with everyone. Those are real life situations. Uh, but you need to let that be their decision, not yours. Because you are very accountable to God for your decisions, and you are not accountable to God for theirs. So let, if someone is going to have an unclear relationship with you, let that be on their end. You do everything you can in love to repair those bridges. If you, if you see a bridge burning, like throw, throw water on it or something. Don't just let it burn and don't throw embers on the bridge, okay? You get what I'm saying? Like actually do everything you can to try to, uh, you know, have a clear relationship with everyone. 
Now, this is how it's looked in my life. I'm going to get honest with you here. I had someone wrong me. And I knew what the Bible said about how I was supposed to forgive them. But every time I thought about the person or saw the person, like, you know, I just started getting tense. Like, my blood would just start to boil. And I, I would just, every time I thought about it, especially if I thought about what they did, I just, oh my goodness, I would get so frustrated every time I thought about it. For a while, I really harbored those negative thoughts. And every, I, I kept them in my mind. Every once in a while, uh, they would slip out in conversation with others, you know. But it's not like I pulled a T-Swift and wrote a song about it. So, like, I thought I was doing pretty good, you know. I didn't smear him that I heard to, like, billions of people. So, uh, but that was running the Bible through my filter. I was saying, this is, this is too hard. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to forgive him right away. I'm going to keep dwelling on it, keep on harboring this resentment. Because I want to. That was it. My desire in my head caused me to take God's word and get some of it caught in my filter. I was like, I know this is what the Bible says, but I'm just not going to do that part. I needed a filter exchange here. I needed to replace my ideas with God's word. I needed to live out his word. I needed to throw out those bad ideas that I was having. Now, it took a a little while, but I was able to do that. When the Bible says I'm supposed to forgive that person, it means I don't replay the hurt they caused me over and over again in my mind. I don't think negatively about them, and I sure as heck do not talk negatively about them to others. Actually, this is insane, all right? And I feel very confident saying it because it's in the Bible, okay? But it is insane. This is what the Bible says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's insane. That's ridiculous, okay? And at the time this is written, they weren't talking like, like uh, social media enemies. Like they had real life people who would just try to like kill them. It was rough times, okay? Like there's, the Bible says it. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It does not say be okay with your enemies, I think that's what we hear a lot of time when we say, ah, so I just don't like, don't be mean to them. That's not what it means to love someone. And I think if I'm going to like try to like be loving to my mom, I don't just try to not be mean to her. That's not the standard of love. Like that's ridiculous. It's not what the Bible says. It says, love your enemies. This takes running my life through the filter of the Bible and not the other way around. The next area of life I want to talk about is how you work how you work. You need to work with diligence and integrity. You need to work with diligence and integrity before God. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Now I'm going to expand on this one kind of quickly. I'm going to try to. Basically, if you find yourself thinking, I'm just like stuck in this rut and everybody else seems like moving ahead in life or, or if you find yourself thinking, how's everybody else have a job and not me? It's just impossible to get a job. This is ridiculous. I filled out like one application this month. How do I not have a job? You know? Or, or maybe you think, uh, you think A's is a grade that only exists like in TV shows, you know? Like it's a, this mythical idea like, oh, I know people get those in movies, but I never seen one before, you know? Um, 
Or maybe, this is, maybe you've gone this far. You're sitting down, licking the, the cheese puff, you know, powder off your fingers with, uh, as you watch, like, the third season of Parks and Rec, like, in a row. You know, you're sitting there, and you're thinking, am I being lazy? Dude, I went to, like, all my classes this week. No, I deserve this. Like, this is, I do so good this week. I work so hard. Like, you are being lazy. I'm telling you, you are being lazy. All right? You need to get off your keister and get stuff done. Okay? According to this verse, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So every Christian needs to realize the weight of the call to be an ambassador of Christ. I need to realize the weight of that call. I'm supposed to represent Christ to others. Because if you're a Christian and lazy, and maybe you think it's funny, or you think it's kind of who you are, you know, oh, I'm just like a really laid-back person. That's the lamest excuse for being lazy. I'm just a laid-back person. Like, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. You're going to misrepresent Jesus Christ to a lot of people. That's what you're going to end up doing. You're going to misrepresent Christ to a lot of people. How you work is actually going to be the primary way you end up living out your faith before others. Do you think about that? How you work is going to be the primary way you live your faith out before others because the majority of time in your life you will spend relating to others will be in the context of work. That the majority of hours you will spend relating to others before you die, is going to be in the context of work. So how you work is actually a very important thing uh, to get a filter shift in life on. And that includes school. I mean, right now, your, your work is school. So that, 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 that applies. I'm not just saying like a job. I'm saying whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And then with integrity, the integrity part of this work, uh, Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, any such as these. Speak truth, each one with his neighbor. So that's from the Amplified Bible. It just kind of takes the verse and, and takes the word and it, and it expounds it and gives you more of the, the flavor of what's being said here. I love how it says that. Don't tell half-truths. You don't lie or over-exaggerate, which is lying, by the way, uh, in order to make yourself look good. It's not true. It's deceit. It's falsehood. It's lying. What the verse says is it says, speak truth. Speak accurately. Let your words be accurate ones. Not ones that people say, like, is that, you know, like, let's say, like, you were telling someone like, how many people were at challenge. Like, oh, yeah, it was like, it was like 150, 200 people at least there. You know, oh, there was like 500 people there. You know, are they thinking, like, when it's closer to the actual number, they're thinking, okay, is that actually it? Or are you that kind of person? Everyone has to like think hard about, wait, is that actually what they meant? Or they just always, always over-exaggerate in everything they say. Oh, dude, I was doing homework for like seven hours straight today, you know? You know, you like were on Facebook for five hours. You're calling like your girlfriend for an hour. Then you typed paper for an hour, you know? Like, is, is, that, is that how you communicate to people? But you're sitting down at your computer that whole time, you know? Like, is that, is that the kind of, is that the way you communicate to people? Or do you communicate accurately? Do you speak truth? So in your work, you need to speak accurately, work hard, and then own up when you don't. That's what you got to do. You got to speak accurately, work hard, 
and then own up when you don't. And when you make a mess, clean it up. Whether it's relationally or literally, whatever it is, when you make a mess, clean it up. All right, another way we need to work is with consideration for others. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Notice how, how it says, look not only to your own interests. Like, I don't have to, like, try to look after my own interests. I am inherently selfish. I'm going to look out for my own interests. That's a given. <laughs> so the Bible insinuates, it's like, don't look out only for your own interests. Like, it's a given. I'm going to look out for them. But I have to make a purposeful effort to look out for the interests of those around me. I need to make a focused effort to do that. I need to think through my actions. That's what this means. I need to think through my actions. How is what I am doing, how I'm behaving, how I'm working, this decision I'm thinking about, how is it going to affect those around me? And that's what it means to be mature, to be able to consider how your actions are affecting those around you. So that's what we need to make sure we're doing at work. This is just an area I wanted to highlight because I think it's an area we oftentimes walk over people. Is it in our work, in our schoolwork, in our jobs, whatever it is. We oftentimes have an objective and sometimes people are helping us towards that objective. Sometimes they're in the way. If they're in our way, like they're getting mowed over or they're getting out of our way. Those are their two options because I'm going for it either way. We need to consider them. For example, you got a project coming up on Thursday. You know your group gave you a part of it to do. And you're sitting here thinking, I'd really like to hang out with people tomorrow afternoon. I got invited. Got to go to the roller rink. If that happened, please tell me because you have awesome friends. Um, and you're sitting here thinking like, oh, I was going to do the homework during that time, but I can probably do it that night, whatever. Like, Sometimes if you want to work well, you're going to have to pass up hanging out with people. This is not disregarding the value of fellowship or, or having friends investing in relationships. But sometimes when you're just hanging out with your friends during every free hour, you're going to have to skip some of those uh, in order to get work done, because you need to consider the people in your group, you need to consider your classmates, you need to consider your teachers and the work that you present to them. All right, the next big category I'm looking at is who you marry. Whoa. Right? I'm going there. Who you marry. All right. So I know some of you just now, you're like, you're already shutting down. You're like, nope, not for me, not even close, probably not ever. I don't want none of it. Some of you, like your ears is perked up for the first time. You're like, say what? Who? What? When? Where? Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. Definitely. Who? That person right there? Okay. When? Tomorrow? I'm game. All right. You laugh because you know it's true, okay? Uh, all right. Who you marry is who I'm talking about. This is applicable to all of you because you will marry someone you date. <gasps> right? Like, you will marry someone you date. That's just a fact Okay, unless you do like an arranged marriage, like that, this is what's going to happen. You're going to marry someone you date. And so if you're dating or if you have the possibility of ever dating in the rest of your life, this is relevant to you. So the first thing is you want to be with someone who challenges you as a Christ follower. You want to be with someone who challenges you as a Christ follower. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds and good works. If this is true for general relationships, 
It sure as heck better be true for your dating relationship and for the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. This better be someone who is encouraging you and you're encouraging them to, to uh, you know, towards acts of good deeds, uh, you know, um, acts of love and good works. And if this isn't happening, you very likely need to change how you date, who you date, or both. All right? If this is not happening, you seriously need to evaluate how you date and who you date if you are not uh, encouraging and challenging each other as followers of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, which we already looked at, says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It's interesting there, is whatever you do applies to everything. Everything, whatever it is, including dating. You need to date to the glory of God, according to this verse. And if you date someone who's not sold out to doing everything to the glory of God, then you're not going to be able to either because you're in a relationship with that person and they're not going to be dating you to the glory of God. You will not be able to uh, date them to the glory of God either because in dating, you're both influencing each other. There's two people in that relationship there. You're not going to be able to carry it for the both of you. Uh, the, uh, the next thing you need to think about is you want to be with someone you work well together on projects with. All right, you want to you, you be with someone you work well uh, on projects with, or you work well together on projects. The rest of your life is going to be a long series of problems, unfortunately. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that before. All right? Ah, oh, man, what a bummer. All right, it's true. The rest of your life is going to be a long string of problems that you have to solve. Like that problem of like, am I actually going to get up to my first alarm tomorrow morning? Oh, like that's a problem. You got to solve it. Uh, by the, oh, yeah, good. If you guys didn't relate with me on that, I don't know. Got to find a different crowd. Um, like problems and then and trials you're going to have to endure through. Jesus said in John 16, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. He said that in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus told us this. It's no secret. The struggles you face in life are actually only going to get harder and harder the older you get. All right? You want to find someone you can see yourself walking through the most difficult parts of your life with. That's what you're looking for. When you're looking for somebody to be in a relationship with and someone you're going to be, when you're thinking about marrying, like you're looking for somebody, you're, you're looking for a partner to face the most difficult days of your future with. That's, that's what you're signing up for in marriage. So you need to have that in mind with who you date. The, uh, the next point is you want, to, you want to be with someone you enjoy being around. All right. Hopefully that wasn't quite as much of like a brain explosion, okay? But seriously, some people overlook this. You want to enjoy being around the person because guess what? When you're married, you're around each other a whole lot. Okay? You're around each other all the time. It's like you live with them and can't get away with them, you know? Have a joint bank account. It's like you can't get away. You'd better enjoy being around that person. Okay, if you like the idea of going out on dates, but every date you're just like, oh, like this is like rough, but at least like, you know, we'll text and it's fine when we're texting. Like, no, like, no, bad idea. Okay, unless you plan on like only ever like you're like, you know, in the living room together, only texting, you know, hey, I'm going to get some cereal. You want some cereal? Okay, yeah, sure. Like, unless that's what you're going to do, you're going to have a rough time being married because you're together all the time okay 
You'd much rather be with someone you enjoy that fact and don't see it as a bummer, okay? I do. I see that as a huge blessing that God brought Brittany into my life. I love being married, okay? And I did not just date anybody, okay? So I had a standard of the person that I was going to date. I used the Bible as a filter. I got a lot of wise uh, counsel in this area before I asked Brittany out on a date. And then when we dated, I was very careful about how we dated leading up to marriage. And then being married has been a joy. It's fantastic. I strongly recommend marriage to everybody, all right? <laughs> it's awesome. But you want to do it wisely uh, and in a biblical way. All right, the, this last area of your life I'm going to touch on is where you live, okay? Where you live. You might be thinking, well, shoot, I know we're living for like the next three years, okay? Like, I'll try to remember this in three years from now. But no, this is kind of a tricky point because uh, in order for you to have like these values influence your future decision, you need to have them as values now. You need to be working on exchanging that filter now uh, on where you live. So I'll give you like an example to help explain this. So this first subpoint is you don't live somewhere there is a healthy church family. So that means right now, you need to be involved in a healthy church family where you are. If you want that to be important to you when you make a future decision, it's got to be important to you now. You want to adopt this biblical filter for your life, not just wait until you graduate and have another decision of where you're going to be moving. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's a creepy verse. It's a... Yeah, like, I don't, I don't enjoy reading that verse at all, okay? I'm going to read it again. <laughs> be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I looked up a study on lion hunts. So real life said they studied 1,300 hunts by lions. So I don't know how they even did that. I didn't get that far in the study. I got bored. But got a really important part out of it, all right? One of the really primary takeaways they had from the study was this. Most successful hunts are on dark nights in dense cover against a single prey animal. Isn't that interesting? Lions hunt most successfully against a single prey animal. It's pretty basic uh, to understand. Isolated animals don't have anyone to watch their back. They don't know when that lion is creeping up on them. I've seen this happen with a lot of Christians. They don't have the biblical filter of Hebrews 10.25 that says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So it doesn't make its way into their decision-making. And they end up isolating themselves or their family as a family or one unit. They end up isolating themselves or their family, and then they get torn apart. And the enemy tears them apart. I'm not speaking hypothetically. I can think of specific people in my mind, and it is not fun thinking about where their life has gone. They isolate themselves, and they got torn apart. Their marriage got torn apart. Their family got torn apart. Their morals got torn apart. They just don't, don't go there. Don't even go there. Just take Hebrews 10, 25, and just make it a part of your life for the rest of your life. Make that part of your filter for your life, for the decisions that you make. So living somewhere there's a healthy church needs to be a priority. 
And then, of course, you have to actually get involved there, all right? It's like, yeah, I'm, I live in Chico. Like, I, I go, there's Chico Community Church in town, fantastic, healthy church. Like, do you go? No, no, but I live near it. You know, like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You've got to actually, you got to actually go. You've got go to go to, the, go to the church, okay? And this brings me to my next point. Uh, you need to live somewhere there are serving opportunities. You got to live somewhere there are serving opportunities, okay? Guess what? There are serving opportunities everywhere. No excuses. You don't have an excuse. There are serving opportunities everywhere. That was a trick point. Gotcha. <laughs> All right? This has to be a pivotal part of how you're involved in church. You need to be serving. Uh, Mark 10, 45 said, says, for even the Son of Man, he's talking about Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, a core part of why he was here to, was to serve, and he was God. All right, newsflash, you are not God. If God, a part of God's own core, like the core part of his life being on earth was to serve, like you had better have that as a core part of your life, all right? Like you've just, you just got to. If you want to model your life after Jesus in any way at all, you'd better have serving as a very high priority, and this next point is uh, you want to live somewhere you can get training. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Now, this is funny because uh, Paul kind of brought this up. Uh, I was going to throw out 60 years, but he said 80, so I'm going to go with 80. The majority of you in this room, Lord willing, will live your life for another, will be on earth for another 60 to 80 years. The rest of your life is going to be spent making big decisions with big consequences, dealing with big circumstances. They're going to have a big big effect on you uh, emotionally and just uh, personally. Um, and based on how you handle these different situations and decisions, it's going to shape a lot of your remaining time on earth is how you handle uh, the situations and the decisions that you make. It's going, to, it's going to influence the majority of your time on earth. And you don't even know, like, what they're going to look like right now. That was, that's an interesting thing. Being in college, I remember thinking, like, ah, what's life going to be like later on? Like, you don't know. I still don't know. I'm out of college. But I still don't know what the future holds. I don't know what those situations are going to look like. And I'm telling you, as an individual, a few years ahead of you, get wise biblical training, okay? Just do it. You've got to get wise biblical training. Invest in it right now. Right now, you're in challenge. You're getting out of challenge what you put into it, okay? That's just the truth. You're going to get out of any ministry you're involved with. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. When I was in college, I invested a lot of time and energy in serving and getting training from challenge and from church, and I got a lot out of it. After college, I did a two-year training program at Chico Community Church called North Star, that taught me a lot about how to handle and deal with uh, life situations in a biblical way. And I got a lot out of that. These investments of time and effort, and sometimes money, like in going to conferences and things like that, made an actual financial investment into getting training. They've helped me deal with a lot of situations in life, okay? You know all those like what ifs or things like you don't know that are on the horizon? Like instead of waiting for all these life situations to hit you, invest in training now. That's what Paul was talking about earlier during the announcements. Invest in training now. 
Instead of getting that point and being like, ah, like, ooh, make a wise decision. I'm going to go with this. Like, you might, you may or may not make a wise decision, but if you get training back here, once you get to that decision, you make decisions out of the wisdom you've already attained. So grow in wisdom ahead of time before you hit those big life decisions. Um, they're going to affect uh, a lot of your life. So here's the deal. Everyone is betting their life on something. That's just a fact. Everyone is betting their life on something. It's either on your own ideas that you gather from like a hodgepodge of different areas, or it's on God's perfect and infallible word. Those are your options. They're your own ideas, which are really just an accumulation of other ideas mostly, and your opinions you've formed, or on the infallible word of God. Is your options. I strongly encourage you to seriously look into how to use God's word as the filter for your life. You don't have to understand everything about it to start living it out, to start being obedient to God's word. And if you bet your life on God's word, it will never let you down, okay? That's been my real life experience. Again, not speaking hypothetically. I am more convinced now to live God's word out in my life than I was when I was in college. And that is what I have aggressively been trying to do. And I'm more convinced now. I'm not the same. I'm not less. It hasn't fallen short sometimes. I am more convinced now than I was before to live God's word out in my life. And it makes sense. Like I said early, earlier, it's only logical. If God is real, which he is, he gave us his word out of love, not out of some power trip. All right? He lovingly gave us his word so that we can navigate life in a better way and get better outcomes. Now, at the end of the day, honestly, this is a thing I just have to, I have to know. You're probably not going to remember much, if anything, that I said tonight, like a month from now. Like you, maybe now you will because I said that. Huh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but you won't. You probably won't. Like, do you remember what you heard at Challenge a month ago? Maybe you can you remember some things. Maybe you saw your hand out. What about a year ago? If you've been with us for a year, do you remember like this week of the month last year what was shared at Challenge? Off the top of your head, does anybody anybody got one word that was spoken? No, not one point, not one verse that was shared. You don't, you you don't remember that honestly. That's just how it works. If you actually want to see spiritual growth consistently throughout your life, you need to be convinced that you need his word every day. That's what's going to make the difference, okay? We just don't have that long of memories. You need to come to the realization that you need God's word every day. If you want to have that filter switch in your life, you got to get into his word every day and let it reshape the filter that you have on your life for the ideas that you buy into, for the ideas that you actually base your life off of. You got to do that every day. This is what I've been trying to do for the past nine years I've been consistently trying to stay committed to getting into God's word daily for the last nine years. And for me, the biggest, most pivotal filter shifts that have happened in my life have come after hundreds of days getting into God's word. I'll tell you what, when I had that shift of perspective in my life, it has made waves of impact in my life and in the people's lives around me. That's how God is going to affect your life. So I I just implore you, to take it seriously, to take God's word seriously enough to get it into your life every day. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much 
uh, for providing us with your word. Uh, It's amazing that you cared enough about us to do that, God, to work in such an amazing way uh, through so many people's hands to write down your words for us so that we can live life following you accurately. We don't have to try to come up with these ideas on our own. We can look at your word you gave us and live our life based off of that. And our life will immediately start getting better. And it will continue uh, getting better and better as we apply it more and more to our life. I pray you please help us all to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.